Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Today, we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for July 2021. We'll focus on our three key insights. First being housing supply is at a near record low. Then we'll talk about sales data and how it's sending mixed signals. And finally, despite the slowdown in the market, prices are staying relatively firm. My name is Justine Liu, Managing Broker here at Rennie. And joining us today, as always, is Ryan Berlin, our Senior Economist and Director of Intelligence. We're excited to welcome Danny Chow, a real estate advisor with Rennie for the past 26 years. He's been ranked the top 10% of realtors in the Greater Vancouver Region for 14 years and top 1% of Greater Vancouver Realtors for the past four consecutive years. Welcome, Danny and Ryan. We're so happy to have you sit with us today. Hey, Justine. Thanks for having me. We're in the final three weeks of summer. How is everybody feeling? Awesome. Not too bad. It's uh, trying to get the kids settled down and uh, they're away for the like next couple of weeks and just they're getting ready for school. So yeah, back to school time is yeah. always uh, <laughs> so it always gets pretty hectic and chaotic. I know I'm not I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I feel like summer has gone by way too fast. Yeah. But that's you know every year. <laughs> yeah, not enough sunny weathers, warm weathers. So let's get into our first insight. Supply is running dry, and that's leaving fewer homes for people to buy. Inventory in Vancouver region is down for the third straight month. So Ryan, let's talk about this. Why do you think that is? For sure. So sales activity, you know, for the most part is the indicator that we look at when we're assessing the health or the performance of our real estate market, how many homes, what homes are actually transacting. But for the first time in a while, that's actually not really the story in the data. And so the big thing that jumped out for us in the July data was that inventory is really hugely constrained. And I know that's a refrain that for us in the industry, we talk about it all the time. We need more supply, more supply, more supply. It's usually Mm -hmm. discussed in in more of the new construction context, but we really do need more supply. And this time on the resale side, we had 14 and a half thousand listings. So total home listings, all product types across the Vancouver region, which again, for our listeners includes the greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley board areas together. So the, the big functional region here in Metro Vancouver. Uh, 14,500 listings might sound like a lot to some. Um, it's 25% below where we were last year. Wow. Last year was a bit of a funky year uh, <laughs> for the market. Right. Uh, we didn't see those normal seasonal patterns of change. So if we want to compare it to something else, we can look at that longer term average for July. So over the past decade, we averaged around 22,000 listings. So we're at 145 So we're 33% lower than what we would typically see in a July. It's interesting because it's not, in this case, really driven by any one product type. We're seeing uh, these declines on a year-over-year basis, in particular across home types, like for detached, it's down 15%, condos down 27%, and townhome is, inventory is down 41%. So it's that that townhome market is so um, narrow in this market, we just don't Mm -hmm. have a lot of townhomes. So we tend to see volatility in the townhome data, and we're seeing that now where, especially as detached prices run away mm-hmm. a little bit and have been over the past year from other product types, we're seeing you know relatively focused demand in that relatively small townhome, townhome segment. And so the available supply of that type of home is really drying up. But again, we're seeing across product types and we look at it on a month over month basis, uh, we see a 13% decline in inventory between June and July. And on its own, 
that's probably not that meaningful for anyone. But what we need as context for this is that in a typical June to July, so the typical seasonal pattern of change is one of increase of just over 1% in inventory between these two months in this region. And so, you know, that's the trend as we move into late spring, May, June, July, August, we tend to see inventory grow a little bit just Mm -hmm. because people aren't that as summer rolls around, not as interested in buying homes, selling homes, listing homes, that kind of stuff. And so the inventory that's there just sits a little bit longer and it tends to grow at the margin. But this year that's, that's absolutely not the case. And so all of this has sort of conspired to generate an inventory number that's the second lowest um, in at least the past 32 years. That's as far back as the data goes. And so, you know, there's probably a number of reasons for this. And, and Danny, I'd love to hear your perspective from uh, as an advisor, as an agent on the ground, working with clients at a very high level on the listing side, in terms of adding new listings, we just, we don't have as many people engaged on the supply side of the market because, because of COVID, because restrictions have recently been lifted and people want to see their friends and their family and they want to finally travel. So we're not seeing a significant inflow of new listings. And in fact, if we look at the January to July period in aggregate in 2021, so the year to date, essentially, if we look at the number of new listings over that period, over the first seven months of the year, it's only 21% above the long run average for that seven month period. But on the sales side, we see um, demand up 52% versus that long run average. So, you know, clearly we saw strong demand back in the, and we'll talk more about it in a second, I suppose, back in the spring and sort of tapered off but the new listings really haven't been there to support that level of activity. And so we're seeing, we're seeing inventory dry up and I guess, you know, maybe, maybe Danny, you want to weigh in and this obviously poses a very specific challenge and significant challenge, I think for a lot of buyers who maybe have been looking for a long time and now just don't have the selection that they previously had. No, definitely. I think uh, what you've got in terms of stats, I think I can see it out there from a standpoint because obviously I'm out in the uh, out in the industry all the time. I've got buyers, I've got sellers, and it just kind of goes along with what you said. Is I think at the at the very beginning of the year, uh, people were is quite active market, but as the COVID uh, restrictions have kind of loosened up a bit, and I think that's what's been happening is where as soon as the kids got out of school, I feel, and in terms of like the end of June and kind of, I believe it was July 1st where Dr. Boney kind of uh, loosened up the restrictions, everybody was just going on vacation. Like mm-hmm. everybody's locked down for almost like a year and a half. And I think from a buyer standpoint and a seller standpoint, buyers were kind of like trying to take a breather, just trying to enjoy their summer, enjoy the kids, just seeing friends and family and just just being able to do that. And then from a seller standpoint, also, they're also traveling, but they're also saying, hey, you know what, if I'm traveling, I don't want people coming through my house. If I do sell my place, I don't want to be moving in the middle of summer. And a lot of people are, are just kind of taking a little bit of a breather on both ends. And and with that said, like like there is still activity out there, but just more, a little bit more selective, I guess, in terms of the different areas, the different type of homes. Um, and yeah, the, the market itself that does go with kind of the numbers that, that, that you're discussing, Ryan. So yeah, I'm interested to know, it's something, you mentioned something there that I hadn't mentioned, I hadn't really thought of, and that is during the height of the pandemic. So, I mean, really any, any time up until maybe even this spring, mm-hmm. a lot of people were really hesitant to be in close contact with others. And so mm-hmm. therefore, you know, restrictions on having open houses aside, you know, even if it's allowed, a lot of people sort of didn't want that. So, I mean, was that a challenge for you? How did you 
address that with your sell side uh, clients that you were working with? You know what? It's 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 one of those things. Being in the business for this many years, I think everybody, in terms of, had to change their way of doing business. Just like with any type of companies, everybody just had to reset and and just go in a different direction. And I found that uh, during early on with this pandemic, with these open houses, uh, going by appointment was actually a big thing. And I think that was a not to say a useful thing that happened, but in terms of what they implemented, it just made more qualified people going through your homes as opposed to what we call looky-loos, your your neighbor mm-hmm. that's kind of just checking out to see what their place is <laughs> worth or see different design ideas or they want to check out your <laughs> furniture or yeah. they want to see what your place looks like. So, Do you think that there's any sort of um, positive legacy effects then from COVID in this regard that maybe there's some kind of like blended or hybrid approach to selling or listing homes in the future? Or do we just throw the doors back open and say, Ah, that was nice, but we'll just, you know, we'll let anyone through at any time uh, again. You know what? I th- I think it's hard to comment on because everybody has their own way of of, of doing things. Mm-hmm. I In my preferred world, what I'd like to do is more kind of buy appointments um, during a certain period of time. You book time slots for every 15 minutes. It's just a more controlled environment, I think, for us to even follow up with people. Um, I think just from some people to do these open houses is, is to pick up clients and our, mm-hmm. our, our job as, as agents at least my standpoint is when we get hired to sell a property we want to sell the property we're not there to pick up a new listing pick up a new buyer uh, our focus is to sell the home for the owner that's hiring us but some people have a different strategy behind it just try to get as many people through trying to build a business and just get their name out there so it's like i said everybody's got a different way of doing things but i think this approach is is, is a better way, way better way to go um just look in the sales numbers that happened during covid like without open houses look at the numbers that, yeah, that we absolutely. had in, in, so uh, is it saying that we don't need open houses and, and then a sales are still going to happen so yeah the the numbers show obviously but once again it's just every everybody's different so yeah and i think yeah to, to that point i imagine that you know if the home uh is in reasonable condition it's it you know and priced reasonably correctly um <laughs> you know there's there is a buyer out there right for them and it's not necessarily i suppose the traditional open house or by appointment that is going to specifically sell it but there's just two different approaches to sort of reach that end yeah definitely it's like i said it's just different strategies that people have and i think the other thing with covid too is you do probably want to limit the number of people coming through your house that are potentially not qualified that are just half of these strolling by coming by for a walk whatnot so just from a safety standpoint that's what we want to obviously protect our clients too from from people that are just walking by or somebody has to stop through because they have to use the bathroom or something like that so (laughs) that's what we try to limit so (laughs) so this leads us into insight number two sales are up and they're also down In the bigger picture, sales remain elevated, though in the recent trends, it's been showing a slowing activity. So how can sales be both up and down, Ryan? Can you explain this? Sure, I'll try. (laughs) Um, So starting with the down, I mean, obviously back in March, uh, the region hit 9,000 sales, housing sales, uh, which was an all-time record for any month. So, you know, in recognizing that at the time, I think we could have all assumed that we were probably going to come off of that record either in the following month or very soon thereafter. And we did. Uh, the market slowed, but sales counts in, in each of the months since March have still remained elevated above 
you know, the year previous, which, you know, obviously COVID, uh, April and May sales in particular were absolutely near rock bottom. So they're not a, a great point of comparison, but looking at the long-term average as well, um, 2021 sales since March have been robust. And we, we move into July, we've had 5,200 sales, just 2% up on last July. The market was starting to, like in the summer, it was starting to write itself. Not Definitely not a normal seasonal, mm-hmm. you know, pattern of change, but one where it was sort of after two very slow months in the spring, um, we saw June and July things start to pick up. And so, you know, we're a little bit above where we were last year, I think in a more relevant uh, sense comparing it to the long run average and seeing that sales are, are 18% higher than the typical July tells us a little bit more. Um, so, you know, I think anytime we're between five and 6,000 sales in this region, you, we can say that there's, there's a, a, you know, quite a bit of activity out there. So sales are still, you know, relatively robust. I imagine, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Danny, as a, as an advisor, you, you'd probably tell me, no, Ryan, the market is slowing because this month there were fewer sales than last month and the previous month. Um, but it's interesting cause it's also, you know, I think a little bit nuanced and I'd, I'd love to hear what your take is. Cause I just, I look at the macro data. Yeah. And so what I see when I look at the region and we map it out is that the largest year over year increases in sales are actually near the historic core of the region. So like mm-hmm. in the most recent months, so we're seeing Vancouver and Richmond and Burnaby and Coquitlam and new West and those places with the largest year over year increases, the rest of the region, like the suburbs, south of the Fraser, uh, Pitt Meadows, Maple Ridge, we actually see year over year declines. And I, I imagine that has less to do with what's happening now. Maybe there's a bit of a return to sort of the, the densely populated areas. But last year, we know there was a little bit of an exodus into suburban markets. So is that a real thing? Do we have more people poking around sort of downtown and reinvigorating our urban um, areas? Yeah, seeing seeing where the market is, I think over the last month or so, I, I feel that the downtown market is still not as busy as it was before. But definitely, I think there's been a uptick in terms of um, properties, like you said, going east, uh, especially in, in, in the suburbs and in the Surreys, the Langleys. Um, as an example, I was uh, looking for a property with a client out in Cloverdale. They were looking for a property that had um, a three-bedroom in the main house, a two-bedroom rental suite in the basement, and also a coach house. And we uh, were looking, we came upon this one property, quite unique. Uh, he was looking for uh, a property that had a lot of privacy. So we found a corner lot facing the park, which is obviously doesn't come up every day. And we decided to submit an offer on this property and end up being eight offers on this property. Wow. And um it it's it goes to show you like of the eight um, offers we actually end up uh, winning the uh, the multiple offers and it was quite interesting because usually in a multiple offer situation there tends to be um, a subject free offer that that usually takes the takes the property when there's that many offers but mm-hmm. in this particular case we actually had a subject to uh, our offer and we still end up getting the property um, so I always tell my clients like. There's no good times. There's no bad times to buy real estate. You just got to find the right time for yourself. Because, for example, with this client, it's not every day that a property that's on a corner that's across on the part that will come up for sale. So even if we tried to look for this for the last year, two years, we just have to wait for that one property to come up and it happened to come up. So that's just one of the examples. And another um, example that, that we have was actually within the Vancouver area where going back to 
the right time to buy real estate, had this client uh, in April of 2020, which is probably one of the, I guess, worst times for COVID was in April 2020 and had a client that decided to uh, buy a property. And uh, at the time, everybody's going, why are you buying this property? Like, mm-hmm. this is the worst time during a pandemic. And she ended up buying this property in April of 2020. Um, she... Uh, did some renovations to the property and I just sold that property for her, um, I guess just over a year later. And she ended up making almost a hundred thousand dollars within, uh, within like a year period. So it shows you that when nobody was buying at that time, she decided to buy because there, there was no right time. It just, it worked for her. Right. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. I know at the time we were talking about, you know, there was a lot of talk about how downtown was emptying out, no yeah. one wanted to be there. We sort of said, you know, that the reports of the death of the condo are greatly exaggerated to paraphrase mm-hmm. Oscar Wilde. And um, and it was true because basically, you know, the, I guess downtown in particular sort of became less animated. Restaurants were closed. You couldn't really shop. And so that the, 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 the value associated with living downtown was suppressed for a period of time. But you could look at that if you were savvy and you had resources and say, yeah, you know, we know that. Um, students aren't, they're not in class they're, or they're, they're living at home. Um, international students aren't coming. People aren't living downtown. And if you're, if, if you're able to invest some money at that time, that there was, there was an opportunity because values were, I think, um, artificially sort of suppressed at the time. No, no, for sure. And I think it's one of those things where there's always opportunities out there and, and just it, if you, if you find them, um, just going back to what you had mentioned, I think a lot of people, um, during when COVID was just starting in, in early 2020, um, a lot of people were not working from the office and a lot of people were working from home and in being in downtown, uh, you were just secluded to your 800 square feet, two bedroom condo, and you just wanted more space, right? And if you weren't working downtown, you're working from home, you didn't mind moving a little bit further out where you got a house, you got your yard, it gives you a little bit more space. So I think that kind of caused that reaction for people to to, to move east in, in terms of being able to get the house, selling a, a two bedroom condo and being able to buy a house, getting, getting space and everything. So I think that's kind of what's happened. And same thing, going back to the, the opportunities, I think people look for real estate as a, a passive investment, so to say, that always has value and just goes back to in terms of talk about the uh, supply and demand part is just recently within the last couple of weeks, there was a project in Kelowna that had 154 suites. Um, it's a pre-sale project and they had, I think, over 10,000 people that registered on the database. And when it came down to the sales process, I think they had over a thousand people that pre-registered to buy and I think they end up selling all units, all those units in uh, a day and a half, I think it was. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, talk about the demand. I had uh, lots of clients that actually wanted to get in the project and I was lucky enough to get a couple of units in there for my clients, but it just shows you if the, if the right products out there, it's people, people are still buying. So for sure. And, you know, you mentioned the pre-sale market and, um, when we look at, we just, we just, um, collected the pre-sale data for Metro Vancouver for quarter two. Mm-hmm. And it shows a really big affinity for, for pre-sale right now. So the resale market is slowing a little bit. If you look at the last three months of sales versus the start of the year, there is a slowdown, but pre-sale is not the case. So in this region, there were 65 pre-sale um, transactions in quarter two, exactly the same number as in quarter one. So that puts us at 13,000 pre-sales for this year 
which is more so in half a year, which mm-hmm. is more than all of the pre-sales that we saw in 2020 and also all of the pre-sales we saw in 2019. The most pre-sales that we've ever had on record was in uh, 2016. We just exceeded 20,000. So, you know, if we can achieve about 7,000 more pre-sales mm-hmm. um, in this market over the second half of the year, it will be the highest number of pre-sales we've ever seen here. So I think, and I think that that probably reflects as we've, as we've come out of COVID and we certainly have a ways to go before things are quote unquote normal, but I think there is sort of a broad based confidence in, in our economy and in our housing market that, that did not exist, uh, last year, maybe hasn't existed for a couple of years. And that's leading people to sort of look at different areas, different product types, resale, pre-sale, and you're mm-hmm. sort of seeing the, the, the market perform, uh, in a robust fashion across the board. No, definitely. I think just being out there, I think, um, it's, I think just overall, people have been locked down for the last year and a half and people haven't been able to spend money. So, Everyone uh, has fever. <laughs> so everybody's been locked, everybody's been saving money. And then I just know a lot of friends and clients that are in the luxury car business, the luxury jewelry business, and all those markets are, are booming and just people have money and they want to spend it. So if there's any good investment opportunities that that people think that's a good return and just putting your money into, people are definitely looking into it. So I was going to ask actually regarding the the pre-sale aspect and how the numbers are picking up and it's getting really high. Why do you think everybody is going towards pre-sale again? And why was it so slow last year compared to this year? Like what's the change? That's what I think. I think it's a confidence thing. I don't think that you buy pre-sale if you're not confident that values are at least going to be maintained, but probably more than that will continue to increase. Like if you think the housing market's oversupplied or the job market is frail or migration is going to turn in, like in-migration will turn into net out-migration, I don't think you buy pre-sale. <laughs> Right. I mean, something you're putting this money down, committing to something that you're not going to see delivered for four years if you're not confident in the future. And that's where I think that confidence in everything in Vancouver right now is relatively high, definitely compared to last year. Right. It could also be because of the low supply, as we were talking about earlier, too. Right. And not possibly not having to compete as well. You know, that's yeah. You know, we actually talked about that in the last podcast. That's a good point, because the whole process is different. You're not blind bidding against Mm -hmm other potential buyers with a lot of emotion invested. It's really a developer, you know, you go in and you have a very sort of like unemotional discussion about what the value of the unit is and do you want to buy it at that price or not, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I think from a, from a pre-sale standpoint is I always look at just when you do your research is I think that's the key. And I think looking at these pre-sale projects are, that are quite popular, everything seems to be following a trend. Um, the trend that I see that, seems to be very popular amongst these pre-sale projects is everybody's following the line and the line is like the SkyTrain line, the Millennium line. It seems mm-hmm. like everything that's along there, everybody's following. So uh, for example, like now the King George hub is kind of what they call the, at the last station. Once they announced the extension to Langley, now it just moves it up in the ladder. So now as opposed to the end of the line, it's getting closer to the middle of the line. And then what's happening is as people are, are moving east, that will only put the pressure on the Surrey properties because getting close to the middle and the values will go up because every time you go east, the property values come a little bit lower. So for example, I had a client that I was uh, with a couple of days ago who purchased that the King George hub station and uh, she wanted to invest in more property. And she said, where's a good place to invest? 
And I said, well, why don't we do this? So we printed out the uh, a map of the future SkyTrain lines that are coming up. And we drove down basically all the way down Fraser Highway. And we looked at the locations of every stop that where there's going to be a station that she would potentially invest into. So mm-hmm. I think it's following that line once again. And the other thing is, I think the interest rates are low right now too. So some of these developments are allowing rate caps. So people don't start having the pay for the property yet as long as they have the down payment and allows the asset to grow without having to make those monthly payments or anything uh, as through a mortgage or whatnot. So that's quite popular. And I think if we look at um, Greater Vancouver as a whole, I think we're a little bit behind the ball when you compare yourself to some of the major cities around the world. Um, if you look at Japan, you look at Hong Kong, um, every time you get off uh, a stop along their uh, subway station, you're entering actually another community. And mm-hmm. I think Greater Vancouver is 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 following that trend and we're so far behind. But if you look at it, you've got the Brentwoods, you've got the Oak Ridge, you got the King George Hub, you got Marine Gateway, you got um, Brentwood, Gilmore Station. So now every hub is actually becoming a little community in itself. And I think that's where people are gearing towards and obviously developers have been doing that too and those seem to be uh, very popular in terms of people buying to live in themselves of a downsizer where later on if you want to just go away just lock up don't have to worry about it or from an investment standpoint it's easy to rent out people because it's down a, a transit station you got shopping and everything down below so that seems to be the trend of, of people when they're, when they're looking to invest in the properties absolutely mm-hmm. i mean that's what the you know Good planning practices yeah. are focusing growth where there's transit places that are accessible um, that will ultimately be densely populated with with homes and people and jobs. Mm-hmm. So um, the thing about that is, to your point, is that signal is already there. There's an explicit desire for the region to grow in that way. So it's not as much of a guessing game as maybe it seems. Maybe guessing where the station goes mm-hmm. or exactly how dense or how built up a place will be within a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately, you know, the region and planners throughout this region, municipal governments are not interested in more sprawl. Mm-hmm. It's about focusing growth in, you know, strategically within the within the region. For sure. So let's go into insight number 3. Prices are holding fairly firm despite the lack of market churn. With both demand and supply moderating, prices have been flat. Ryan, you would think that with the declining sales activity, prices would be softening to a certain degree. What do you think is going on? Yeah, I mean that's a, yeah, that's I mean that's a very valid point. I think some people might look at it and say, you know, despite the fact that we are, we've talked about that sales are relatively elevated in a historical sense, they sales activity has slowed. So you might think, well, as demand slows. We might see prices come off a little bit. Maybe some people assume they wouldn't be rising as much. And I think that's a, a better perspective in this market because you've got to take into account what's happening on the supply side as well. And we know that there isn't a huge increase in supply. I think if that had been the case, if inventory had actually been increasing or not declining, maybe if it was just increasing at the 1% to 2% per month rate that it typically does, yeah, maybe you'd see a bit more softening mm-hmm. in prices. But both sides of the of the market ledger, supply and demand have sort of moved down over the past few months. There's just less activity in general, but we see, you know, we look at at conditions in markets, you know, from a statistical perspective through the sales to listings ratio, it compares how many sales in an area in a month compared to, or versus the number of listings, the, the supply. 
And what we see for the condo market, detached market, townhome market, all three of those, when we look at the region as a whole, they're all still sitting in seller's market territory. So there's still, for the amount of supplies available of those home types, there's still quite a lot of purchasing activity. And so when, when we see seller's market conditions like we see now, like we've seen for the past year, that tends to buoy prices. It tends to push them up or at least stop them from falling. And, and that's really what we're seeing in this region. So, you know, we've had about three months now where month to month, the prices haven't changed a ton, but they're still mm-hmm. sitting way above where they were last year. Like if we look in the greater Vancouver board area, um, particularly on the detached front, median prices are up 18%. And in the Fraser Valley board area, so south of the Fraser River, uh, like the Surrey, Langley part of the region, uh, we see median uh, detached prices that are up 31%. So I guess the question from here through the rest of the year and beyond is, I mean, clearly those year-over-year increases are not sustainable. Um, the question is, what is the direction of change? Like, yeah. can we expect them to fall? What are the factors, you know, driving demand and influencing supply? And and what does that look like through the rest of the year? My initial take is on the supply side, I don't see a huge economic event coming or deterioration in economic conditions, um, the Delta variant notwithstanding, that would lead to you know, a huge surge in unaffordability and an increase in listings as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side, I don't imagine buyers are going to be as manic as they were back in the spring um, and in the, come the fall, rush back into the market. You know, I think we might see a bit of an uptick. But my my read on the market at this point is that we'll see maybe a bit more supply, but also a bit more demand as we move into September and beyond. And that prices are probably going to sit in and around where they are now mm-hmm. for the balance of the year. But Danny, what, what is your take? And I guess like what's important too is what do your clients, what is their perspective as they go and look into the market? Is there an assumption there that prices will continue to go up or do they think they've peaked? Um, I think in terms of generally in, in, in real estate, we say that there's obviously a couple like um, good, t- better times to, to list properties, like usually springtime, fall time are the, are the better times. And then winter is a little bit slower. Um, Summer times people go away. But I think with COVID, it kind of just, just shifted everything where there was really no, it, it changed kind of the cycles of, of, of the real estate timing wise, so to say. Um, what I think is going to happen is I, I feel that if everything kind of stays where it as as it is with with the COVID and the variant and everything, I think September, uh, I believe September seventh is the day they're kind of planning to open up the national international borders um, back up. I think that what may happen is there's a lot of people from. Hong Kong, I think that we're we're looking to come back to to Vancouver. Um, kind of, it was already happening. Kind of right when COVID was happening, a lot of people with the riots and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're we're looking to come back to to Vancouver. They had their passports and everything, mm-hmm. um, and they wanted to move their family here. They wanted to get settled. And with COVID, it kind of restricted them from coming back to to make those choices. I think if that opens up a bit, I think you're going to see demand for um, possibly. Uh, west side homes or homes in uh, areas that have good schools for them to come back to and i think with that said it's going to start potentially uh, a chain reaction where if somebody's selling their their west side home for x number of dollars that they've had for 30 40 50 years that were uh, passed down to them from their parents now when their parents sell they're going to 
downsize themselves. Now they're going to free up some money to help the kids buy their first mm-hmm. place. Would it be a condo or a townhouse? So it's kind of a, a, a chain reaction if that starts, right? So um, some of my clients are, are yeah, from, from Hong Kong, I've, I've been getting calls from, from clients from that uh, used to live in Vancouver or in Hong Kong for probably 10, 15, 20 years. And yeah, I've had the call from them planning to, to make that move. So I think a lot of them were over this period of time um, starting the planning process because physically they couldn't come here. So when they could physically come here, we've been doing the legwork already. So when it does happen, um, they're ready to move on something. So that's kind of what I see what's happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Thank you, Danny, for sharing your experience with us today. If we have listeners who want to reach um, reach out to you and get to know more about yourself and your business, how can they they contact you? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me today. Um, anybody can reach me directly at uh, 604-765-2469 is my direct number. I can call me anytime at that number or you can always email me at uh, dchow at rennie.com and uh, feel free to reach out anytime and I'd love to share my insights with you. I was going to say, Danny, what's your home address? <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode of the Rennie Podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out the latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox. Register for intelligence updates. Thank you so much for joining us today, Danny. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Danny. Me. Thanks. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com. Mm-hmm.